This is episode number 56, part two of the interview with Cindy O'Meara. Welcome to the Herpreneur Wellness Show. I am your host, Annette Lackovich. Join me as I bring you some of the most cutting edge and coolest people on the planet to help you live a bigger, more fuller life as a female entrepreneur. More health, more wealth, more happiness as you continue to grow your extraordinary business and an extraordinary life. Let's do it. It's official. Raise your glasses. Your business is now speaking to the masses. Hey, ladies, this interview today has come around at a very coincidental time. I did the interview nearly a month ago now, but I wanted to hold it back because I wanted to get Cindy's other interview out first before this one. Now, call it serendipity, call it coincidence, whatever it is, it's so weird because yesterday I saw this integrative medicine doctor. They work with functional type of medicine and I've been waiting to see them. I just love to have optimal health, love to get all my blood works done and really look at optimal health and not just the generic. So I've been waiting for months and months and months since May. So it's been over six months for this man. And you go through your whole family history and my father passed away at 69 years old. And he asked me, what did he pass away from? And I said, from dementia. And he said, that's a really young age. And I said, yes. I said, it's really weird because um, he had a farm. And as soon as I started talking, it was like the the alarm went off. <laughs> it was like the penny dropped. And I said, he had a farm and he started having these seizures and started to have these strokes and he declined within two years. He was such a fit man. I've just realized while I'm saying this, I'm about to release an interview tomorrow on glyphosate. And I said to him, and it's quite interesting that your form talks about, have you been around farms or anything? Is that about glyphosate? And he said, yes. And he said, that's tragic about your father. And I said, look, I don't know how he got dementia. I don't know how it comes along. There's all these different ways you can get it. I just found it truly fascinating that that's what they earmarked him as, but who knows? So this interview today, we go in deep into the bowels of the barely. I'm telling you, when you listen to Cindy, it's like you're drinking from the fire hose. She has so much information. It's a matter of how she can get it out. But what's important for you is to understand that when you think you're trying to be healthy and the food that you're eating and how you're living and walking in the parks and doing all this stuff that there's so many hormonal disruptors, so many endochrome disruptors and things that can truly create horrible, horrible reactions to your body that are being used around us every day. Now, this is not to freak you out, okay? We still need to live. We can't walk around in a little bubble and be a bubble boy or bubble girl. (laughs) We still need to live, though it's just being aware of what's around us and how to actually make some changes. And you're going to hear a story about something huge that Cindy actually did with her local council. Cindy O'Meara is a nutritionist, filmmaker, best-selling author, and speaker. Plus, she's the co-founder of Changing Habits, which is a whole food company that believes that everything begins and ends with the health of your food. Ladies, to say that I am excited about today's interview has to be the biggest understatement in the world. This lady that you're about to hear about, learn about, and be educated from is Nutritional Crusader. We have Cindy O'Meara on the line today. Big welcome to the Herpreneur Wellness Show, Cindy. Thank you, Annette. I have to first say, you have an upbringing, a childhood upbringing, of something that I could only dream of with being surrounded by learning organics, things that we didn't even realize back then that we're learning today, the importance of it. Can you share with everyone how the heck you got into nutrition and about your childhood journey with your amazing parents, how this all started? Look, my dad um, started his professional life as a pharmacist. And, um, and, and when we, we look, you look at pharmacy, it's about breaking the body down and saying, well, this is what's doing this and we need to give you this medication in order to stop the pain, stop the fever, 
or whatever, lower the cholesterol. So that was what mm-hmm. pharmacy is about. It's what we call a very mechanistic lifestyle. But my father soon learnt that the medications he was giving his clients were not making them better in health. They might have been getting rid of the symptom, but what they were actually doing was getting them, they were becoming sicker and going on more and more medications. Mm -hmm. So this was back in the 50s. So he decided to become a chiropractor because he'd learned about this quack, as he calls him, (laughs) down the road that was helping his clients get off all the medications. So he flew across to America, um, studied chiropractic at Palmer College of Chiropractic, met my mum. My mum is um, the oldest of 11 children um, from a farmer, um, like a corn belt farmer. (laughs) And they came to Australia and we were brought up in a very vitalistic lifestyle. And that meant that my mum made everything from scratch she was at home making foods from scratch she'd go to the local fruit and veggies or the meat place everything was done from scratch and Mm -hmm. she was the most magnificent cook so we ate like kings and queens all the time (laughs) or princes and princesses and you know and I was brought up with a father that knew the value of medications but didn't want to overuse them. So I'm 59 in a couple of weeks and I've never, ever taken an antibiotic, any form of anti-inflammatory painkiller, no form of medication because he believed that the body had the ability, the innate intelligence to be incredible, but you had to let it do the things it needed to do. But if there was a life-threatening situation, you know, he would have had me straight at the medical doctors Mm -hmm. and straight where I needed to be, you know, and I did break a few bones but he would say do you how's your pain what's it level at how can Mm -hmm. you handle it you know so that was what I was he was always saying to us so that's how I was brought up and I knew I wanted to do something with health and I decided that I also wanted to ski and um, that was snow ski and here in Australia you can't do that so I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder and did Mm pre-med so I thought well at least I do pre-med I can be a medical doctor I can you know I can do science I can do research but I studied anthropology in my first year there and I was absolutely blown away by how cultures and traditions survived, but food was probably one of the most important things. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be a dietitian. So I rang my mom and I said, I want to be a dietitian. I'm coming home. Um, I got into Deakin University. I finished my Bachelor of Science, majoring in nutrition, and just thought, I can't teach this. Margarine, low fat, mm. lean cuisine, um, you know, all the food. <laughs> lean cuisine. <laughs> now you're yeah, taking lean, me back. <laughs> I remember, yes. It was just ridiculous. Mm. And I went, well, I can't. And as a 23-year-old, you you don't think that you can go against the grain per se. So I went back to university after graduating from Deakin and did human anatomy for two years and did pathology and embryology and biology and every ology you can think of, I did. And at the end of that two years and the end of six years of university, I went, I know exactly what the human body needs. It needs what I learned in my first year of university at the University of Colorado. And so I put a name tag up that I was a nutritionist and I started to see people. And at that time, if they were on the SAD diet, which is the standard Australian diet Mm -hmm. or standard American diet, if they were on that diet and I put them on a real food diet, one that was based on our cultures and traditions, they would get better. That was 40 years ago. Mm. Four decades later, we are struggling to get people better, even with a change to food in the real food diet. Mm. And, um, and, you know, we'll talk about that. But Yeah, the quality of the food. Yeah, it's the quality of the food and it's the quality of the humans that are now being um, born today because of a um, insidious chemical that has been eroding um, our health. And and it's not just one, it's many, but there's one in particular that um, I've taken a particular um, interest in, put it that way. Yeah, we're definitely going to go there today. That's why I'm so pumped when I read that you (laughs) really are the catalyst in in changing what we're, the councils are actually spraying. Um, can I just backtrack? Um, your dad went over from, you're Australian, are you? Is that where you're actually from? I'm Australian. He was a Kiwi. He, he was, was a Kiwi. New Zealand. And he went over mm. to America, to the chiropractic school over in America. Is that correct? 
That's right. Yeah, I heard because my chiropractor that I go to studied in America, and he said that's that's where it all started. Like he said, that's the best of the best for chiropractors, and I find it incredibly interesting that your father was first in pharmaceuticals. He was a pharmacist or in pharmaceuticals? Which one was it? He's a he, pharmacist. He was a pharmacist. He he was you know the the person you go to to get your prescription. Yes, filled. and it's isn't it yeah. incredible that you never went on prescription <laughs> drugs, <laughs> never antibiotics, um, your gut health must be just incredible. Your microbiome must be <laughs> like on steroids. Well, uh, you, you, you could have said that, but there were things that eroded it. Um, and ah. what happened was like uh, I hit around 52 and – the two years previously, and, and people would say, oh, it's menopause, Cindy, that's what's happening to you. And, and I went, no, I don't do that. I don't believe that yeah. that should be something that's hectic. So um, I was starting to gain weight, still eating the same foods. I was beginning to um, get a really sore back. So I'd had a sore back for about 18 months. Now, remember, my dad's a chiropractor, my sister's a chiropractor, my daughter's a chiropractor, and my husband's a chiropractor. So it wasn't for lack of not having the right structure. It was just inflamed. I had right hip pain, and I just had a girlfriend have hip replacement, and I thought, I'm going down that track. Wow. I, had, I couldn't grow my hair. I couldn't. My skin was always really dry. And, um, you know, I these had, are signs of menopause. So any woman would actually be thinking – Dry skin, mm. hair going funny, like this is menopause. Yeah. Well, you know, like I just think differently and I went, no, yes. it's not menopause. Yes. Um, so what I did was that I did an elimination. I thought it's got to be something I'm eating. Being a nutritionist, that's what you focus on. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go on elimination and what I did was I ate the – because I was so used to anthropology and how our hunter-gatherers ate, I thought I'm going to go – on the diet of the hunter-gatherer and the winter of the hunter-gatherer, which means mm -hmm. the meat wouldn't have had any fat in had any fat in it. Wouldn't have been a lot around. There wouldn't have been a lot of food around. So I lowered my calories. I lowered my fat intake, and in three weeks, I lost nine kilos in weight. All my aches and pains disappeared. Unbelievable clarity of mind. No more hip pain. No more back pain. Mm -hmm. And and I, I had this euphoric feeling. It, I don't know how to explain this euphoric feeling I got. And I started to go, well, it's obviously something I'm eating. To feel this good, it's obviously, you know, something that I'm eating. And I knew at this point that um, all the science that was going on in my body, so I could understand that my body was releasing fat, mm -hmm. Those that fat probably had toxins in it. Um, so I was releasing toxins. I knew all of this was happening. So when I started to re-enter foods back into the diet, about week five, I ate a piece of bread. Right. Homemade, you know, good quality bread. My bad back came back. I gained 900 grams overnight. My hip pain came back. My foggy brain came back. And that was when I went, hang on, what is wrong with wheat? I know the cultures and traditions of wheat. I know that it's there was emma wheat and einkorn and 23,000 years ago wheat was used um, in society in small amounts and then it got in, in big amounts by the, probably 10,000 years ago. There was never these issues. People ate it. So I went on a little bit of an education binge for about two years. Then my husband says to me, he goes, so now that you know all this stuff, Cindy, are you going to write a book on it? And I went, no, I, I don't want to write another book. <laughs> so you know what he said to me? He says, why don't you do a documentary? You're like, yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, do it. everything about documentary and film production. <laughs> so he gave me a budget. Uh, it was a very lovely budget, but he gave me a budget and he said, um, let's do this. Oh. So I travelled the world. I interviewed people in, um, from India, from England, the US, New Zealand and Australia who I had been reading about and learning about what was done to wheat. So wheat is not the issue. Gluten is not the issue. It's what we've done to wheat mm -hmm. that is the issue. And I remember going, you know, interviewing everybody and I got to the the – the, one of the last people that I interviewed, and her name was Dr. Stephanie Seneff, and she's a senior researcher at MIT, and she was recognising as a mother 
and a grandmother that autism was growing at an unprecedented rate in the American population. Mm-hmm. And she had her ideas of what it was, but nothing, because she's a statistician as well, nothing was correlating to um, why there was this growth. She, she plugged in quite a few things. And then somebody said to her, why don't you try um, Roundup or glyphosate? Why don't you try and do your stats with Roundup? And she saw almost a perfect correlation between the increase in the amount of glyphosate being sprayed and the amount of autism, Parkinson's, MS, um, cancers, all these things, she saw this incredible correlation as the that amount of um, chemical was being sprayed on our crops, on our our councils were spraying it all all over the world. In actual fact, there's a scientist in Italy who said, "I'm not going to give you the tonnage. I'm going to tell you that two thirds of the world has been sprayed with this herbicide." Mm. So when Dr. Stephanie Sennett saw this correlation, she. Uh, she said it's just a then, coincidence, <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, just a coincidence. That's all it is, you know. But she started to look, okay, well, now there's a correlation. That doesn't mean causation, but let me look at how this herbicide is affecting um, human health. And so she discovered that it was a chelating agent. So that was a, it was patented as three things. In around 1970, about 1968, it was it was a chelating agent. In 1974, it became a herbicide, and by 2010, it was then um, like painted by Monsanto as a broad spectrum antibiotic. Mm. And that's when I, it, you know, that's when I got knocked on the head with a hammer, and went, "Oh my goodness." I've had non-Hodgkin's, I've got um, non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm getting all these aches and pains. It's a type of autoimmune disease. And as soon as I go off gluten, I'm fine. Or wheat, I should say. It's not just gluten, it's Mm -hmm. wheat. As soon as I go off it, I'm fine. But if I enter it back into my body, I start to get those aches and pains. So for me, it was, that was... If you're eating it on a daily basis, breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea and dinner, and most people will be saying, well, we don't do that, Cindy. Yes. And the other thing is, Cindy, some people might say, I don't eat wheat, but glyphosate, Mm. can you give everyone an update of where it's sprayed now and why it's sprayed? Yes, it accounts, everybody believes it's safe because Monsanto marketed it as that it only, the, the shikimate pathway, which is the pathway that it destroys in plants, um, and it, what it does is it gives the plant a type of immune deficiency and it allows the pathological bacteria from the ground soil to come up through the plant and, and the plant is basically decimated by bacteria. So Monsanto said these, this pathway is not in human cells. It's only in bacteria, fungi, and plants. Therefore, it will not hurt humans. (laughs) But we have to consider that we are, and and this has become more and more prevalent because everyone's talking about it, that we are a mass of microbes, and without them we would be dead. They can live without us because I'll just find another host. But if we are completely sterile, we can't live because what they do for us is they make vitamins, they make amino acids, they help with our immune system, they protect our gut lining, they do all sorts of amazing things for us. And when you start to decimate them, then you start to get ill health. So autoimmune diseases, food Mm -hmm. sensitivities, allergies, all of these things start to come up. So... It is now sprayed by our councils because the council has been told it's safe. My council just sprayed it on my beach. I went right off of them. I threw it on social media. They've just sprayed it where kids play. A lady, I see a lady meditate on that patch every day. Mm. We swim from there every day. Thousands of nippers go there every Sunday. And I I just cannot believe that they're still doing it despite what we know about it. But anyway, um, so the council spray it, national parks spray it, land care sprays it, main roads spray it, farmers use it as a pre 
um, seeding. So before they seed, they instead of tilling the land, they just spray it with um, Roundup or glyphosate because there are 596 registered products here in Australia um, with that um, active ingredient in it. And um, then they will spray it as um, if they use GM foods, they may spray the, the genetically um, modified foods, which are Roundup ready. Mm-hmm. They may spray them twice maybe more, and then um, they're now using it as what we call a desiccant, so a pre-drying, pre-harvest chemical that they spray on wheat, legumes, other grains, um, anything that's got foliage that they're not going to use and gets in the way of harvest. So it could be sweet potato, potato, um, because why do you need the foliage? You just want those those beautiful potatoes, so you want the foliage gone mm. so you can desiccate it. It's sprayed on 70, it's allowed by the Australian Pesticide and Veterinary Medicine Authority to be sprayed on, around or near 70 food items in Australia. Gosh. And I think I heard you actually say um, about... On another interview, you mentioned organic, some organics that even showing signs or testings for glyphosate because it's come through the soil or it's travelled in the air or what, what was, that, was that you were saying? Yeah, it's water-soluble. So if it's water-soluble, then it'll go through the soil, get into our water supply, go into the ocean, go into our rivers. Then when there's evaporation, because we're going to have rain, then it then rains down. So they're finding um, glyphosate in the rain. Now, in the most concentrated areas where they spray glyphosate is in the U.S. So there's 14 states in the Midwest. They they, um, grow corn, uh, canola, soya um, and wheat and other things as well but they're the four main things where Roundup is being sprayed Um, and the Mississippi River that collects from those 14 states is becoming a toxic cesspool it is killing um, where it comes out into the ocean it is absolutely killing um, all the life um, around it and any rain that is is dropping on that area so in louisiana and around that area is 70 they're saying 75 percent of the rain has glyphosate in it that most is i have hmm. never heard of anything like that the rain has glyphosate in it because it's evaporated into the air is that what you're saying yeah yeah it's a water soluble it's water soluble so it will just evaporate and then it'll come down again in the way of rain um they're finding it, they're doing tests. Um, and remember, this is happening in the US um, as far as the testing goes. Australia, for some reason, is not testing. I am. I'm sending food to the national medical, um, on the national measurement instruments because I'm kind of going, well, no one else is doing it because do you know what? There are 144 chemicals on the supermarket chemical screening test. Not one glyphosate product is on there, yet there are 596 registered glyphosate products in the in Australia. So what's so going on now? Test, oh, they're, they're not, not even testing, testing it. Oh. No, they're not, they're, they're not even testing it, and that's what's so hard. So I have to get the knowledge of the food from the US because they're testing it, and apparently the USDA have been testing um, food and not one food that they've tested so far doesn't have some part per million or part per billion of glyphosate. And remember that glyphosate, um, when it's got adjuvuncts, which is, um, you know, Roundup, and there's lots of names um, that are used with glyphosate, mm-hmm. but adjuvuncts um, in, enhance the effects of glyphosate. Gosh. So, you know, and, and it's just, just like anything. It's a toxic anything. pool. It what, is a toxic point. Cindy, what if you've got somebody listening saying, I don't eat wheat, my child's fine, I'm fine, why do I need to worry about this? What are some things that they need to like worry that. about their health? Like what are some, some telltale signs or things that they can, that we're seeing now that it's affecting yeah. people's health in the future? So, um, there, like Stephanie really believes that autism rates are increasing as a result of it. It's like a, a chemical, 
um, cesspool that's happening. So what glyphosate does is it opens up the blood-brain barrier and it also opens up the, the, the lining of the gut. It has the ability to open up the blood vessel um, epithelial lining as well, as well as the kidney tubules. So what's happening is that... Uh, while glyphosate is doing that and you're consuming foods, if you're consuming a food that you haven't digested and there is a protein or a peptide that you haven't digested goes into your blood system, then your body will um, um, create an immune response. And that immune mm-hmm. response can be a food allergy, a food sensitivity. Um, it, it might You might have your heart race really hard fast. It could be an autoimmune disease. ADD, ADHD, um, inflammation. Does it do any inflammation oh, or anything oh, like that? And this is why I'm asking because, and I don't, I, I could imagine this probably wasn't happening in your life because you're just so well educated. <laughs> Though um, my 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 husband's family is very European. And so I'm always about, you know, looking at washing the the food and trying to get organics as best we can. And when we're at their house, I'm doing apple cider and trying to do things to clean it. And I look like this freak, right, that they don't understand because it's the more you get educated, not that I'm anywhere near that level from you. I'm I'm learning stuff from podcasts um, from people like you and... But then to repeat it and to try and educate other people, sometimes I just think, oh, gosh, it's just easy just to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> and that's why yeah. I'm saying it because because it's how do you really educate people that think, well, I'm okay. We've grown up with fruit all our lives. We've, we've grown up with food from the veggie garden all our lives. We've had bread all our lives. It's how do we educate them in a way to make them care and realise how important this really is, not just for for us now, but also, as you said, the quality of the human beings that are being brought into the world, our children. Yeah, when you look at uh, the statistics, in 1962, 2% of the Australian population had a chronic disease. And chronic diseases, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, you know, things like that. Autism is a chronic disease, a disease that you have for life, basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, now, in 2018, the Australian Bureau of Statistics found that between 38 and 40% of kids under the age of 17 have one or more chronic diseases. And if you reach 65, 80% of the population have a chronic disease. Mm -hmm. So you can say, oh, this is what I did all my life. And I did too. It wasn't until I hit 52 that things started to go pear-shaped. And it shouldn't have because I was brought up in the, the healthiest of environments. So what we're starting to see, and if you open up your eyes, people will realise that everyone around them seems to have some sort of health issue, no matter what it is, hives, um, surrounding. Yes, they've Mm. all got something, whereas 62, this wasn't happening. For me to, I've never, ever thought that I would change the world. What my thoughts were was that if I change myself, then by example, I may be able to influence family and friends. Mm -hmm. And with their love and support, we may be able to educate and influence other people from communities to the countries to the planet. So it was all really about me understanding what was happening, taking on those steps, and then people looking at me and going, well, what are you doing, Cindy? How do you do that? There'll be other people that will just go, she's a fruit loop. Don't listen to her. Don't worry. <laughs> because she doesn't know what to do. Believe, believe me, you know, I have it all the time. And I don't, I'm not interested in that, them. Mm-hmm. They can have the information. It's free out there. I have blogs galore. I have books. There's just so much information out there. But it's the people who take that information and act on it that are the real heroes yeah. because then there by example they will create a ripple effect and together with all these ripples will create a tsunami of change that will help our future generations and the generation that's happening right now and us. So my mission is not to change people. My mission is to give information and if you choose to change, 
it's all up to you. Like I have people come up to me and they go, I read your book in 1998, Cindy. You changed my life. And I went, no, I didn't. You changed your life. You read the information. So did I probably sold hundreds of thousands of books. Mm -hmm. So did 100,000 other people. But did they change? I don't know. (laughs) So I don't worry about it's not my thing to change people. Mine is just to give information. If you trust me enough to take that information and run with it, great. Mm. If you don't, great. It's it's no skin off my – it's my family I'm most concerned about. And and I have a very supportive, amazing family because – you know, they've been brought up with me. They, they've got nothing else they can do. <laughs> <laughs> they can't escape it. Well, believe me, that's what happens in our family as well. <laughs> but it's so funny hearing my son talk these days about what he says. And the other day oh, he was saying something. I can't remember what it was. But I said, um, so what do you think that you need to have for that? And he said, I think I need a probiotic for my stomach, for my for my microbiome. <laughs> microbiome he's five years old and I was so surprised I went, wow that all came out of his mouth microbiome but that's okay <laughs> I was like there's five five years old and he, he's starting just to catch on to things so um there's yeah enough, there's enough good. positive hypnosis going on <laughs> um can I just say though just to um add on to what you were saying you are out there making a difference because I did hear that you wrote to your local council and then you threatened them with suing them because you said something along the lines of that they had all the information that they needed to stop doing the glyphosate spraying. Is that right? Mm. You did something like that? Like you went out there and you pushed back. Yeah, what I basically did is I just said to them, I'm just making sure that you have all this information and I've also sent this to my solicitor so that they know that I've sent this to you. And once you have this information, you are no longer ignorant. Mm. I then said to them that if I have my dog on the beach and in the wrong area of the beach and you give me a fine, ignorance is not me getting off that fine. So I want you to know that your ignorance will not get you off this. And if it gets to the point where people know you are spraying it, and there is a definite link between that and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, as well as it being a broad-spectrum antibiotic, as well as it destroying tyrosine, tryptophan and phenylalanine and the mental states of human beings, then you may be in trouble. So that's what I said to them. And I've actually put that letter up on um, my website. If you, if you go to my website and type in the search button activism, you'll come to an article about how to be an activist. Now, you can be an activist by just uh, spending money on the food that is from your local farmer. He doesn't spray glyphosate. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, really thinking about where you're getting your food from, that's one form of activism. But another form might be, I don't want that council spraying on the playground where my kids spray, uh, uh, sorry, play. You know, they don't tell you. At the time of the spraying, which might be 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning, they'll put up a thing saying herbicide spray. They'll then spray it and then they'll disappear. Can I just say, Cindy, I actually witnessed this probably about three weeks ago and I was travelling back from dropping my son off to school and there was a sign on the side of the road and there was a guy with a truck and a hose and he didn't have any mask on or anything and he was spraying the weeds on the side of the road and it had glyphosate in spray, like in, in being yeah. sprayed right now. And then as I pulled up near our house, they had the same sign. Again, a guy spraying it in the park where all the kids play with the words glyphosate being sprayed now and I was actually thinking that exact thing, which is, so if we walk down there this afternoon, do we need to wear a mask on our face? Because it's exactly where yeah. the kids play. Yeah, you won't know. You won't know. And if it, you know, and if they brush up against the glyphosate, if it hasn't dissipated, even though they say you know that it will, but it's it's not just that. It is. It's in. It, it's where it goes. It's in our water supply. It has to stay on the mm. plant. So if the kids touch it, they will have it. And then if they touch their fingers to their mouth, then they're eating a broad-spectrum antibiotic, um, uh, a chelating agent. And, and this is a sad thing, is I've asked my council to make it pink 
put a food dye um, in it and make mm. it pink so that I know when they've sprayed it. And and I think that that's fair because then we as humans that live within a, an area and as dog owners or pet owners yes, yeah. can choose whether we walk that way or we don't walk mm. that way. And, like, I've been on my council for years and right now I'm, I don't know what else to do. I've given them everything. And they did say that they are going to trial something, but they still haven't started because they're still spraying Roundup. They're still mm. spraying glyphosate. But, you wow. know, it's not, it's, not just, it's not just about how our food is produced and that chemical. It's also about what they do to our food when yeah. food manufacturers take that grain, that legume, that um, fruit, vegetable or nut, and then they make or create an ultra-processed food. And an ultra-processed food is when you read the back of the ingredients and you see something like rosemary extract or legohemoglobin or you might see vegetable powder or you see things that you think, well, rosemary extract and vegetable powder sounds, sounds right lovely. to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> lovely. When you look at what it really means, what it really is, is that it's the, it's the food industry or the chemical industry, not so much the food industry, but the chemical industry renaming chemicals that we don't want to see in our food anymore. Mm. So what they do is they're basically, if it's a synthetically made antioxidant, they'll just call it rosemary extract. If it's um, a synthetically made nitrate, they'll just call it celery powder. So oh you'll see this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so let's, let's, that's, that's in, that just makes you, yeah, because I, I know about, I've never heard this before, Cindy. I know about sugars being written in, you can put in all these different ways. But I've never heard that when you're saying about extracts. Yeah, I'm very wary of extracts and powders mm. uh, and even acidity regulators. So the food industry has come a long way. They are masters of disguise. They know how to make something look like food, taste like food, smell like food, but not be food. Yeah. And I see it all the time. I read the ingredients and I go, where's the food in this? And then because for SANS, which is our food standards Australia and New Zealand, have no regulation around the word natural, <laughs> people just put natural on the food and then you read the ingredients and you go, well, out of the 55 ingredients or chemicals that you put in there, there is maybe one natural one in there that is in, in, in its whole form. Mm. And this is... This is why I want to see people, and, and it's easy, guys, it's not hard, get back into the kitchen to feed and nourish your family to heal this nation because it's not going to happen anywhere else. We have to um, vote with our dollar. We have to buy foods in our local area from our farmer's market, from our local farmer, from our community-supported agriculture boxes, and we have to get back into that kitchen. And it's not hard. It's not hard to make good quality foods. Come home, make up a salad, throw the vegetables in the oven, cook up a steak on the barbie. It's actually done. so fast. I do batch cooking for some of my other dishes, like the bone broths and all that type of stuff. But to do, I get wild salmon. Like It's actually really quick just to do wild salmon, do a salad, and you're done. <laughs> so much quicker it's not complicated Mm. and even curry you want to do a curry there are some amazing like we do a curry powder um and all i do is i fry up my onion and my garlic throw my curry powder in throw in the coconut cream then because i just find a lot of the curries are terrible so you want a really good quality curry powder throw in the coconut cream then i poach the chicken in there some zucchini and um, basically, there's your curry. I think it, it doesn't have to be difficult. Mm. Look, Cindy, just, I'm mindful of time here. I would love just if we can do a, a segue into talking about food because you now have a whole food company. You have a certification program for nutrition. Can we do a bit of a segue just to cover some of the things? If people want to learn more about you um, and more and feel safer <laughs> purchasing from you and from your actual whole food store, can you actually go through just what you're actually doing now and how they can find out some more about some of the things that you do offer? Sure. So changinghabits.com.au is my website. And on there, you'll find uh, 
everything that we're doing. So they'll find the, the documentary What's With Wheat. So I'm very much about education. So What's With Wheat is about education. Then I have the Nutrition Academy. And the Nutrition Academy, we have an intro to nutrition, which is a 10-week course, and then we have a 12-month course, which then allows you to teach other people in your community about good nutrition and health, and, and, and that's a whole program that we do. Then uh, I also have food and products. So the food, and I don't do any supplements, by the way. Everything is food. Anything that you see in there that looks like a supplement, it's from food. It's not an extract. All mm -hmm. I've done is got the food, dry it, and put it in there. So you can have a look at all of our food. I spoke about uh, the program that I did that absolutely revolutionized my body and and gave me clarity of mind. And we call that the fat loss. And the reason we call it fat loss is because it is about getting rid of toxins out of your body, but the only way you're going to get rid of those toxins is through removing the fat because they will be long-stayed toxins. And it's a, a thing that I do every single year. And if I've got time, I'd like to talk about the second time I did it. Absolutely. So every Every ailment I had disappeared except for one. And every month on my cycle, I would get a migraine. And caffeine, because I didn't drink coffee, I could have a cup of coffee and I could basically get rid of that migraine with it. But if I didn't get that cup of coffee in time, I would be down for the count. And I would go into my bedroom, no sound, no light, nothing. So they were pretty severe. Wow. So I'd had them for probably 20 years. So the second time I did it, I pushed my body to lose another three kilos. So I hadn't gained any of that nine kilos back. I just decided there's something wrong. I've got a toxin. I've got to get rid of it. So I pushed my body to the limit for the next three kilos to come off, which would have taken me down to 57. So I'm 60. I'm happy at. So it would have taken me down to 57 kilos. The first two weeks, my body didn't want to get rid of the fat. It, even on no, hardly any food, it didn't want to get rid of the fat. And I'm thinking, what is wrong? And then boom. Obviously, it was very toxic because as it released, I was vomiting, I had <gasps> diarrhea, I had the worst migraine of my life. <sighs> I was probably in bed for two days and then another three days of just not feeling brilliant. <laughs> so you're saying and it's finally purging. <laughs> Yeah, slightly purged. And then after that, oh, wow. I, I, now that was um, seven years ago now. I have not had a headache since that day. Wow. Not a, never a migraine, not a headache, nothing. So it was like a miracle for me. It was like I just had to do this 20 years ago and I would have been fine. You know, so I got so involved with this program and I really loved it that we now offer it and we have had thousands and thousands of people that have done it. I have people who have lost 80 kilos on this program and kept it off for years. So we've had people lose 60 kilos. We've had couples do it. Um, we have a gentleman at the moment doing it. He's lost 14 kilos in 14 days. Oh, so it, what it does is it really purges the body. It purges the body of... Um, getting rid of the toxins and um, and you know I I I just believe it's one of the best programs I've ever done. I had a naturopath say to me the other day. I, she goes, I need to do your program, Cindy. It's the only thing that seems to wow. to do what you talk about. Yeah, there you go. That's a tick of approval right there. Oh, you know what I find fascinating, interesting, and that I absolutely love it is that you do not um, sign up for any of the jargon of what sickness falls under when you were saying about menopause and then you're saying about you're getting these migraines and you always link sickness to your diet to what's actually going on in inside your body um did that come from the anthropology where did that all start from how did you make that first connection because if i go back you said at 23 years old you studied to be a nutritionist. Now, I don't know how many 23-year-olds out there would actually have known to not believe what was being brainwashed to them <laughs> with education where you, there was something in you where just went, this is not right, margarine. <laughs> 
is not right. Mm. Diet foods is not right. Um, where does this all come from? Is it stem from, from your background, your upbringing? It's really interesting because the other day my brother put up on his um, Instagram of the things that my father made us listen to when we were in the car, <laughs> you know, um, and, and I looked at them and I went, oh, that's right, we didn't use, listen to anything else but Earl Nightingale and, oh, BJ Palmer who was the beginning of chiropractic. So wow. it was a philosophy that we we were brought up with and that philosophy and it's what I teach in nutrition is number one looking at an historical perspective of the body and what it used to do and and how it used to perform but number two was its vitalistic um, capacity and vitalism is the opposite to mechanism where we look at the body as a whole we look at that it has an innate intelligence that given the right resources and stopping interference or removing interference your body can work at it's peak performance. The problem is, is that we now live in a very mechanistic medical world. So if you have a headache, take a painkiller. Don't say, well, that's a, a whisper that something is wrong in my body. What is wrong? How do I remove it so I don't get that again? But instead what we do is we put a Band-Aid over the red light on the dashboard Mm. and then we don't really know what's happening. Mm. So then what happens is the body starts to scream at you and that's when you go get an operation or you get on stronger medications or you become addicted to painkillers so my father I, I you know my my father was incredibly way ahead of his time he's 91 he still lives at home he still adjusts and and sees people oh, wow but, <laughs> 91 yeah. he's still doing 91. adjustments oh my goodness yeah he's still adjusting and he, he is one of the he was one of the great thinkers because nobody was thinking that way in the 60s you know everybody was doing what was what, what the mechanistic way that oh this is the new way you get an infection take an antibiotic don't let the body deal with it you deal with it you know the drug deals with it the same with a fever you've got a fever there's a reason there's a fever there why do you have a fever there well it's to kill the bug but instead they give you a panadol and you bring it down so this is the way I was brought up. So when I did anthropology and then wanted to do nutrition, and I remember how my mum cooked. She cooked with butter and she cooked with fresh foods and um, fresh spices. She didn't buy anything packaged. So it was kind of, I guess, um, just this immersion in this type of culture and life. And that's why I questioned well, why would I eat margarine? What about this low fat? But it's really interesting because I realized I did get into the low fat there for a little bit because I, I wrote this article for my sister's um, clinic and I found it recently and I did have low fat in there. So I obviously for about a year thought, oh, well, low fat's okay. And then I, I started to go, no, butter's important. Eggs, I think when they took eggs away from us, mm -hmm. I went, oh, well, that's just ridiculous. We've been robbing, <laughs> robbing nests for thousands of years, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was an immersion culture for my, from my mm. parents. And, and this is what I teach now. I teach yeah. this so that people get it. Like I said at the start, your upbringing would be something that I just dream about. I love my parents. I love them. <laughs> and I would have loved the education that was just surrounding you at that time. Um, I just want to say thank you so much, Cindy. You've been absolutely incredible. Um, guys, if you go to AnnetteLakovich.com forward slash changing habits, I'm going to have all the links there available. So from the nutritional course, from the fat loss challenge, everything there, the links straight to Cindy's website. Otherwise, you can go to changinghabits.com.au. Cindy, before we wrap up, I always finish the interview with this one question. I'd love to hear what your answer is. Um, what is the one thing that you do? If you could narrow it down to one thing. So imagine you do lots of things. <laughs> that you do either on a daily basis or at least weekly that you feel makes you the happiest version of you that really lifts your vibration so high it just switches you on yeah i do i do one this thing every single day so i get up i put my togs on and if it's winter or summer it doesn't matter um i get on my bike 
and I ride down to the beach. I meet a group of people called the Malulabar Beach Bums and we swim um, the whole of Malulabar Beach and then we walk back on the sand with our togs on barefoot. <sighs> I watch the sunrise and um, I then go and have coffee with them because that's my social life. These are my community. Mm-hmm. And then I go home and I'm home by 7.30 ready to have a healthy breakfast and start work. So wow. that is my yeah, How watching the sunrise and swimming in the ocean. How long is that been um, for? I'm going on to my sixth year. Oh so I used to gosh. walk. Yeah, I used to walk, but now I'm in my sixth year. And there's a group of us that don't wear a wetsuit. I'm one of them. <laughs> and we always get the iconic photo on June 22nd with none of it, like freezing cold <laughs> at six degrees. <laughs> so, Sydney, let me ask you this question because I used to swim. I used to be a swimmer. Um, but this is for Olympic pools. I was brought up in the Blue Mountains, so there was no beaches. Oh. <laughs> so throw me in the ocean and I can swim fast, but I tell you what, I'm pretty scared of the waves and the sharks. Um, but we used to throw the goggles in the water to make us dive in in winter, just so before the goggles floated to the bottom, we'd have to dive in. How the heck do you get in that water in winter? <laughs> Is there a technique that you do to actually make yourself, suck yourself to get in? Everyone laughs at me because I do death by a thousand immersions. So I put my arms in the air and I walk out and when a wave comes, I jump. So the last thing that goes in is my arms and everybody cracks up. They just go, Cindy, just get in. Um, but it's just it's just a thing I do. I just do it by a thousand immersions. And then, you know, the most incredible thing, I've got my goggles on and I dive into that water and it's like... I go into, oh, I'm here because it's crystal clear. I can see the bottom. It's the most incredible feeling. And then I go to myself, I go, well, why didn't you just do that without your thousand immersions, Cindy, you know, as as you're getting through? (laughs) But it's like like a drug to me. I, I just, I love it so much. And I love my community and I love the people and, I love watching that sunrise every single morning. So uh, that's my, that's the thing that makes me the happiest. Yeah. Cindy, we have never had that answer before. (laughs) So what a way to finish the show. Thank you so much for your brilliance, for your messaging, for you being absolute crusader out there and really being a force um, to get the message and the education out there. Um, I'm so glad that we finally have crossed paths and um yeah i really hope to um get you in our events for next year so big kisses to you thank you so much thank you Annette. it was a wonderful interview now i need to give you guys a heads up what happened after this interview i got off the phone from her and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe it why didn't i talk to her about the fat loss protocol more let's get it back on so i decided to put the fat loss protocol as part one and it's a nice super fast impactful interview talking about the four phases of the fat loss protocol so if you're listening to this and you haven't heard it and you are wanting to strip off some body fat and really get into the ketosis and get your body into a fat burning machine then check out interview number 55 or episode number 55 because that's where cindy goes into the fat loss protocol have an incredible two weeks see you next time you're listening to the herpreneur wellness show i hope you received the inspirational idea thought or message that you're meant to hear today if you love the show it means a bunch to me sending me a message on facebook or on itunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released until then make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know I'm out.